Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to 560 The Joe Radio Rewind, running back some of the best you've heard here on 560 over the past 24 hours. Where you at? I am Dan Day. Getting in the Mardi Gras spirit saying where you at? That's the New Orleans green for how's it going, what's up, how you doing. So when you hear me say where you at, don't tell me your exact precise location on the globe. Just say, doing good, where you at? Where you at? I actually have a Mardi Gras face mask that someone sent me. Very much love for that. From New Orleans, get me in the Mardi Gras spirit. There's actually pictures of it up on my Instagram, at Dan Day Radio. Always try to make it interesting. I was out at 26 Degree Brewing in Pompano Beach last night hosting trivia night. Might have stayed a little late. Had some of their delicious unfunny brown, which was a brown ale that was absolutely delicious. Hung out with some of our listeners. It's always good times. Thanks, Duty. Thanks, Dolphin Dave. Thanks, the whole crew over there. You can be a part of the crew. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, trivia night, 26 degree brune. But let's get into the goods. We have got it for you. The Joe Rose Show. Oh, yeah. Talking to Jeremy Piven. My man, Hollywood. Got an exclusive with Jeremy Piven, who is in town. This guy is some fun to behold. Then Greeny. He's talking Tampa Bay Bucks football. Ooh. Then Hawk and Crowder, they're talking more football with John McClain. It should be great. It is always fun, and it is good for everyone. Speaking of fun for everyone, let's get into those headlines. The Dolphins staff will coach Alabama standouts Devontae Smith and Najee Harris at the upcoming Senior Bowl. Both are linked to Miami in various mock drafts. Miami has offered a scholarship to former Kane Edgerin James's son, Eden James. The high school junior is expected to play running back like his father. The Heat beat the Raptors 111-102. The two play again tomorrow at 7.30. Starting January 28th, Miami will allow 2,000 season ticket holders to attend home games. With the 10th pick in the MLS draft, Inter-Miami selected Josh Penn. The forward played for the Indiana Hoosiers last season. Several of the Panthers' upcoming games have been postponed due to COVID concerns. They are scheduled to resume play Tuesday at 7 against Columbus. Kane's QB, Nikosi Perry, has removed his name from the transfer portal. It is unclear what he'll do next. Philadelphia Eagles have hired Nick Sariani as their head coach. He most recently was the Colts offensive coordinator these past two seasons. And now, you've earned it. Let's take a step into the day spa. <sighs> a South Carolina couple has been charged with filming themselves having sex in public on a Ferris wheel. I mean, Ferris wheel sex is so complicated enough much less having to film it. An owl was rescued from a greasy kitchen extractor fan in Great Britain. I don't know, those Brits eat some strange stuff. I bet there was a plan to cook that bird. 
An Oregon thief recently berated a woman for leaving her child in a car in which she stole. Well, someone had to put her in her place. To the Exergen Weather Center, tonight's forecast partly cloudy with temperatures in the high 60s. This morning, my guy Hollywood on the Joe Rose Show, he rubbed elbows with Jeremy Piven, Ari Gold, Mr. PCU. Oh, he's in town. And you're going to want to get a whole lot of them right here. Welcome back in on WQAM. Kind enough to join me here today is Jeremy Piven. He'll be at the West Palm Improv uh, starting today through the rest of the weekend here. Jeremy, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Uh, How have things been like for you uh, during this uh, 2020 and uh, now into 2021 here? You know what? I I would complain, but no one cares. How about (laughs) that? Let's start with that. That's perfect. Uh, I want to jump up. I want to jump right into uh, some of the stuff that you've done throughout your career. I'm a huge uh, Entourage yeah. fan. I, I'm in my mid-30s, so it's it's kind of like a, a thing for all of the guys, as I'm sure you know. Um, when you were starting out with that show, was there a point that you realized we really have something here that's going to be special? Uh, you know, it's interesting because we started the show kind of just just before social media blew up and literally just before TiVo. So I remember when we first started – entourage it, there w- people would have sunday night kind of gathering you know just because you couldn't really record it and so everyone would kind of hang out together and watch it and i kind of thought man i think we might be on something and then people started asking me hey can we come over and watch it and that's what i just kind of knew but to be honest with you you know i didn't really understand the reach until kind of maybe into the fourth season or something like that so it takes it takes a few years it took a few years to kind of catch on and now i think you know it's it's really interesting because you can gauge people's interests in real time through social media and you know doing through these podcasts and whatnot people are really connected to that show and they want to see it they miss it and they've made it really clear and i don't know what what all those variables are but i'm honored you know, Jeremy, I think one of the coolest things uh, about that show is the different celebrity appearances and cameos that you guys have, and the different people that were involved in that show. Was there anyone that came onto that set and you were a little bit starstruck when uh, when you started talking to them? So many. I mean, obviously, you, you, uh, Tom Brady to Mike Tyson. Um, Brady was the coolest. And then Tyson was this sweet guy, just wanted to work and do the best he that he can. And you just get to see with these guys, you know, they have such a an incredible skill set and such discipline that comes through when they work, even though it's an arena they've never necessarily navigated. And with, with Tyson, we just worked together and he trusted me, we trusted each other and we had fun and he just delivered a great performance and we've been friends ever since. And, <laughs> and I've been co-hosting his hot boxing podcast, which is completely amazing and surreal. You know, I, I noticed uh, looking at your Twitter feed, you're a big fight fan. Um, is it MMA, UFC, yeah. or boxing, or, or a little bit of both for you? Every, you know, all all martial arts, and, and especially mixed martial arts, because I mean, I love boxing, and I have followed it forever, and been lucky enough to go to these great fights, you know, the Pacquiao fights, and, and Mayweather, and all this, you know, really interesting stuff. But and I love it, and and mixed martial arts just you know training with a few guys there's a guy named sugar rashad evans that Mm -hmm. lives out in boca and just even training a tiny bit with these guys what it does is it gives you a sense of how difficult it is the sacrifice that these guys have to make and at all times they're thinking you know is this a kickboxing muay thai judo jujitsu what god's name is coming at me and we're locked in a cage and just knowing that fascinates me so uh, yeah i watch all the time 
And you guys, uh, just to get back to Entourage for a second, you guys were able to incorporate that as well. You have a fight, uh, a boxing fight with, uh, I believe, Klitschko in one of the early episodes. And then uh, Dylan ends up in the uh, octagon with uh, Chuck Liddell uh, later on in, uh, in one of the episodes as well. That's right. Yeah, Chuck is another one of those guys that was just so fun to work with. It was just a blast. And, yeah, who people just wanted to come on the show, and, and, and we got to mix it up with all of them. And, yeah, we were at that Klitschko fight. We, we went to many Lakers games. We shot at Cannes, like, on the red carpet in real time. We just had – and it was kind of every, – every week was an event – I don't know what you're watching these days, but I think people are longing for that comfort food, and that's why they keep reaching out saying, hey, where's Entourage? I know that Sex and the City is coming back. A lot of shows are being rebooted. You know, why not? And watch this transition. For me, it was like playing in an incredible band, you mm-hmm. know, where someone else was writing the music. And with stand-up, you have to be, you have to write all your own songs. Tonight I'm at the Improv and all weekend, and it's a chance for me to, for people to spend an hour with me, get a sense of who I am, and for them to see what I think is funny. And so for me, it's more pressure because I'm writing all of it, whereas Doug Allen wrote Entourage, every word of it, did a brilliant job. You know, this is me on stage for an hour, and, you know, it's all on me, and I love that pressure. Jeremy, let's jump right into the stand-up then because um, I- I've spent a lot of time here. You know, we had the quarantine and everything, and stand-up was one of those things that, that really helped you know, me get through it, gave some laughter, and I've always been a huge fan of stand-up, but it I feels like, you know, some of these some of these comedians, uh, I know yourself included, are, are coming back to stand-up now, and we've seen a lot more of it, you know, the Netflix specials and, and all this other stuff. I, I just find stand-up comedy to be such an amazing art form. It, it is incredible. I mean, you just know in real time, are you bombing or are you crushing, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I feel the same as you do. I, you know, been watching the Sebastian's Maniscalco's mm-hmm. and Bill Burr's and, and just during this quarantine and just laughing. Thank, thank God we have it and we need more. We need more of it. So, yeah, it's an honor to be able to get up and, and make people laugh right now. I, you know, being in L.A., there no, nothing's open. Chicago, nothing's open. New York is shut down. So for me, the last time I performed was at a drive-in theater. I was performing for, you know, a large group of honking cars. I got heckled by a Kia Sorento. A large group of liberals left in their Priuses, but they left quietly, which was adorable. So I'm excited to put on some hard pants, not some sweatpants, maybe even wear a watch, go to the Palm Beach Improv and make people laugh. You know, I, I always find it interesting, and some of the comedians even talk about this in their routines, and, and it's, you know, comes down to, you know, this, this generation maybe and, and trying not to offend people, but isn't that like the whole point of, of stand-up comedy? Like you kind of want to take people out of their comfort zone and, you know, try different things? For sure. I mean, it, stand-up is about giving your perspective and possibly sharing a truth with the audience that we all recognize that they might not have thought about. If you're second guessing yourself thinking, uh, they may not agree with me on this one. You know, you're not being true to yourself and it's a high wire act. And yeah, you might offend some people, but speak your truth, have fun, make them laugh. And it it can be a bit dangerous. You, You don't want to do a 45 minute political set. That's for sure. But you can't ignore the fact that, you know, Joe Biden, uh, just became president, and you know we're navigating through uh, different times right now. You know Joe's a little bit older, and he runs everywhere. He just he's always running. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> Joe likes to run. He likes to let you know that he's in shape. He's doing great. You know he even runs at funerals. He can't run at funerals. He <laughs> runs. He can't you know you can't run at the pool, but he's running. He's still running. 
but I love it. How how so, tough is that know, though to 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 bring the the political aspect into it? I, I and I was going to ask you if that's part of your your routine to to use that stuff. But is it tough knowing yeah. that there's such a divide between people and people are so extreme on one yeah, side or the other? Still, it still could be funny when Trump goes, "I totally, 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 totally dominated the COVID. I, I got a dominatrix, and we dominated the COVID together. Did a great job." You know, I mean, it's it's insane. You have to admit that's funny. I mean, who he dominated the COVID. Dominated. We dominated the election. Well, I don't know if he did, sir. Got to got to dominate. <laughs> I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop because I'm going to alienate your your callers. <laughs> Let's we'll we'll shift from politics right into sports. I know you're a huge uh, huge sports fan as well. Uh, we got some great games uh, coming up this weekend. I I know you're you're a Bears fan, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I am, and it's been a very, very tough year. It's been strange. <laughs> you think they need to make a move either at coach or, or at quarterback? What, what would you address first over there? Well, you know, uh, it's not for me to say, but uh, there's an old saying, the fish stinks from the head down, <laughs> you know, and, you know, it'd be good to, to, I mean, the McCaskies have been doing it forever. We're all huge fans. We just want them to win and for them to have the best shot. And, you know, it's other teams mix up their GMs. You know, it might be nice to try that. You know, uh, I, Trubisky, you know, has, has he played 13 games in college, you know. So I don't know if we were looking at his peewee football record. I don't know exactly what was exciting. He's he's gotten so much better. He's a really, you know, good quarterback. It just, I don't know if, if that's going to move the needle for us. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. We, you know, we got Khalil Mack and that great mm-hmm. defense and Hicks, and but we weren't. I, I don't think that they were, for whatever reason, living up to their potential. You see certain coaches that can bring out the best in players. I don't know if that needs to be looked at. Oh man, I, I, I think I'm just like a, a frustrated um, owner of a team. Like I just want to own a team. <laughs> yeah, I can, so I can hear it in your voice. Jeremy Piven here with me. He's at the yeah. West Palm Improv. At PB Improv on Twitter, you can get your tickets uh, the 21st to the 23rd here coming up uh, starting uh, this evening here. So uh, Jeremy Piven does stand up there. Um, Jeremy, I-, I really appreciate it. I just had a couple, just a couple more quick ones for you. I want to jump into the movies yeah. that you've done. Is there is there a role that you played that that stands out as something that you're most proud of in your career? That's a great question. Um, you're, I'm always feeling like whatever I'm working on at the time is is the most important i just uh we just sold a film to ifc and you know we're going to release it in theaters but you know how many people can go to theaters now but it's called last call and it's with bruce stern and and taryn manning you know from oranges and new black mm-hmm. and it, it's a movie about a neighborhood in philly and um you know i play a guy that that broke out of the neighborhood and then his mother dies and he comes back home and his life is forever changed and it's funny and edgy and you know, the stuff that I've been doing even lately, the stuff that I haven't had a chance to do. I have something on Amazon right now called My Dad's Christmas Date, which sounds like a Hallmark card that you don't want to buy, <laughs> but it's actually edgy and funny. And, you know, I, I play a dad that, that lost his wife trying to navigate grief, and I've never had a chance to play those types of characters. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. The, the reviews were like, we had no idea he had this in him. You know, I guess they thought that I could just play raging lunatics, you know, type A, Ari Gold types, which ironically, I had to whip myself up into a frenzy to play. And, you know, the roles that I'm playing now are are a lot closer kind of to me and to my center. It's been fun, man. And, you know, I'm probably 100 movies into it, which is 
insane. I was probably 40 movies into my career when I played Ari Gold, and I won the Fresh Face of the Year Award at 37. <laughs> and I accepted the award and said, thank you, but there's nothing fresh about my face, but I'll accept it. I, I've seen you in, in a lot of different stuff, so I know that you certainly have a wide range, but do you ever feel sometimes, though, like you do kind of get typecast? I know you, you try to avoid uh, Vince getting typecast as Aquaman uh, in Entourage, but uh, right. <laughs> you ever you ever kind of feel that yeah. way? And I'm guessing when you go around, people, people yell Ari Gold stuff at you all the time, right? They do, and I, I put that right in my act. You know, that like I, I'll walk around and some dude will just come up to me and go, What's up, bro? I'm a douchebag because of you. <laughs> and I'm like, sir, we're in front of a Cinnabon. We're, uh, there's a merry-go-round there. There are children. I don't know why you're screaming at me. But I do get that a lot. And people want to show me their inner douchebag. And it's um, it's adorable. And I, I talk about that on stage, the fact that I grew up in a theater family. And I've run lines with my mom to this day. Mm-hmm. I'm very lucky to have her. You know, I'm a guy from Chicago who's a, a stage actor and, you know, got lucky and, and played uh, a very iconic role. And it, it sometimes is hard for people to separate the two. But that's why it's fun to come and see a guy do stand-up because you get a sense of who he is and what, what he finds funny. Yeah, so so that is a real chance. I, I think that, you know, even these interviews and, and long-form and podcasts is a way of of having people understand who you are mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe characters you played. Jeremy, you, you mentioned, I mean, obviously you've done a ton of stuff over the years. Is there someone that you've worked with that really stood out to you as maybe the most talented person you've ever kind of co-starred along with? Jamie Foxx. He and I did a movie together that he's been editing for a few years now. And so it needs to go, okay, mm-hmm. Jamie, it's enough. We can put this out now. Jamie's the most talented guy I've ever worked with. Just, you know, he could do it all drama, comedy, he can sing, he can stand up. The only thing he can't do is bowl, but he's he's talented. Jeremy, last question for you. And again, you can see Jeremy Piven at the West Palm Improv, at PB Improv on Twitter. Check it out. Get your tickets. Stand-up comedy is, is the best thing to do right now. Everyone needs a little bit of laughter. But I, I got to ask you about this. You talked about all the different places you filmed Entourage. Uh, one of our favorite episodes, maybe our favorite episode, is the Vegas episode. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? How difficult was that to film? Because it looks like you guys are just running around the floor of like an open casino. Yeah, I mean, we got incredibly lucky. Uh, we never, we never had any issues. Uh, people were always, and I don't know if, if you know, just because while we were filming, the show wasn't, you know, so massive that you know we weren't hounded, but we were able to go into all these different locations and really get the work in. And so that was incredible. Yeah, in Vegas were, 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 I don't want to say it was guerrilla film style, but at, it, when we first started, it was. I mean, literally in the pilot, they, they would be like, jump out of the car, walk across that street, get on the phone, start screaming. And that was just, it was just madness. And I loved it. I mean, that's where, that's where I come from, you know, is that kind of street theater, guerrilla filmmaking style. So for me, I just love it. It's no problem. Um, in Vegas, yeah, it was. Uh, we were we were in we were in the belly of the beast, and we were shooting it, uh, but we never had any problems. It wasn't difficult. I, I mean, a sign of a of of really controlling the set is there's something called ADR, doing looping, where there was so much problems on the set, and people were yelling, or there were that the audio that you have to dub your voices over again. And we never had to do that on that show. That's a tribute to the, to the crew and everyone that worked on it. They were great. 
So we got lucky. Hopefully we'll do more. I think people want to see more. Yeah, and I got to ask you, by the way, Seth Green, is he as funny uh, in person to, to be around as he is in that show? No, he's terrible. <laughs> I, I really hate that guy. No, I'm just kidding. He's really, he's really funny. You know, it's, it's interesting. Like, even people that think aren't funny, you know, everyone's got a, some sort of a sense of humor. You know, you would be surprised at at who really did it, you know, didn't necessarily take themselves seriously. You know, including like I said, Mike Tyson, who mm-hmm. is just such a sweet, humble guy. You know, people know him as just kind of the youngest heavyweight champion and a killer, but he's just like a kind of a sweet, sensitive dude. And then you you teased us there, Jeremy. Is there anything entourage related? I know you guys have the Victory podcast uh, that that we've all been listening to, but uh, is there anything possibly in the future? Because we would love to see uh, all you guys back on screen together. You know, Doug Allen keeps threatening some sort of a reboot, and it really is about you know he's the creator of the show, so it's really up to him. You know, I, I I'm just a player uh, within this the scheme of it all. But, yeah, it's on Doug, and, and he seems to be up for it, so we'll see. Met Jeremy Piven in an airport one time, and let's just say he looked a little jet-lagged. I'm going to leave it at that. He is going to be on his game, though, here in South Florida. Try to check him out safely if you can. Up next, safely going to check in with Greeny. He's talking bucks and playoff football next on 560 The Joe Radio Rewind. It's 560 The Joe Radio Rewind. Running back some of the best you've heard here on 560 over the past 24 hours. Hopefully you're doing nice, nice on this Thursday night. I am Dan Day and I haven't slept a lot. I've been working a lot here at the radio station. I was out at 26 Degree Brewing last night. Got finished with my trivia night there. And then by the time I got home, got unpacked, got everything, went to bed about 4 o'clock, got a call early, had to fill in, help out here at the radio station, so no rest for the weary. I have to be back tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. And there's a Pelicans game tonight, so you know i got to stay up and watch it, even though it tips off at 10 o'clock. So a couple hours of sleep, fresh as a daisy, wolfing down coffee, going strong, getting ready for a back-to-back heat game Friday and Saturday. But let's not put the carriage in front of the horse. Let's get to Greeny. You can hear him right here on 560 weekdays from 10 to noon. He is talking with one of the Hall of Famers from the Tampa Bay Bucks about not only the Bucks but the whole playoff experience that is going on this weekend. Our next guest, who is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, who is one of the great players the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have ever had, I want to play this for you and to play it for him because it was mentioned this morning on KJZ that I was going to have Derek Brooks on today, and that led Keyshawn Johnson to say this. Best mm. best football mm. player I ever played with. Is that really? right? Yeah, best one I ever played. I played with some Hall of Famers and some great ones, but by far the best one I ever played with. Why? What made him different? His leadership. and it's, it, Never mind his, his ability on the field. It's just his leadership, just his calm demeanor. You know, Bo was like a, a grandfather at like 25 years old. Just <laughs> Old soul. Yeah, old soul. How about that, Derek Brooks, who joins me on the Goodyear Hotline, and welcome. How about Keyshawn Johnson saying you're the best player he ever played with? <laughs> oh, my man, 19. Tell him I, I'm extremely humbled. Uh, to hear that coming uh, from him, man. Uh, obviously, he came here, man, with, with the you know his big personality, man, and, and fitted right in and allowed me, you know, to continue to, you know, be the leader of this team, man, and and really fall in, in line to the things that we were trying to build here as a culture and add to it. So uh, it's nice to hear teammates appreciate your hard work. 
you know, whether it's on the field, off the field, uh, in the locker room, uh, that's what this game of football brings about, these type of relationships, uh, Greeny. And I'm uh, very humbled uh, to hear a man 19 uh, say those things about me. Now let me ask you this. He also said that you were sort of like everybody's grandfather when you were 25 years old. Do you agree with that assessment? <laughs> well, let's just say this, uh, Greeny. Sometimes, you know, teammates put you in that role. And you have to play that role for the the good of the team. But uh, for me, again, I I definitely uh, take that with a badge of honor. But uh, I know it's it's more or less being you know the I would say the calming presence in a locker room full of big personalities that was on our team. You know, somebody had to play that role, and I played it uh, to the best of my ability. And it got you all the way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The great Derek Brooks is with me on the Goodyear hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. I, I know how close you remain to the Bucks and how excited you are for what they are doing here. How would you describe, Derek, what Tom Brady has meant to that franchise this year? Again, uh, you, can't, you can't really state it uh, in words. You just look at the actions. I look at the journey of this team uh, this past year when in times of success they've been able to handle it and manage it well but more or less when they struggled in years past you know those struggles you know led to a team that missed the playoffs because they did not have that presence of a Tom Brady around to keep things going well when they struggled late this year, uh, I just believe his presence there and I know for a fact his influence on getting them out of a bad third quarter of this season to get them on a, a roll to finish the season, you know, with a four-game winning streak and really getting some momentum into the playoffs. So uh, his his influence and his handprint uh, is all over this team. And, again, the dividends have paid off for uh, the Bucks kind of pushing all the chips in this past offseason uh, to bring him here. So he's definitely meant a lot to this franchise. Now, there's no question it has paid off. He, at this point, has accounted for 25% of all the postseason wins in the franchise's history. In just the one year, he's won two of the eight playoff games that the Buccaneers have won. Let's actually talk about this push to the big game, which is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone with AutoZone. When we were breaking down some some tape of the first meeting between these two teams, the Bucks and the Packers, which came in week six, and it was a dominating win for Tampa, and Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions, and we really were saying that the hero of that game was Todd Bowles the defensive coordinator for the Buccaneers, who clearly seemed to fool and confuse Rodgers, which is not something you would assume happens much with a veteran quarterback like that. So my question to you is, what do you see as the game plan defensively this week, and do you think they can fool and confuse Rodgers again? Oh, Greeny, uh, you know, I'm going to pull a vet move on you. I'm not going to give away the Buccaneers' secrets, man. you got a lot of people in Wisconsin that's listening. <laughs> so I... <laughs> Oh, I, I would just say this in terms of the first game. Uh, the Bucks were able to uh, really take away a lot of Green Bay's running game, and that forced them to throw the ball every down. So, again, the momentum of playing at home and them making an offense so much one-dimensional, the Bucks were able to pivot that to their advantage when it came to their defensive scheme. Whether it was a pressure package, as you referred to, whether it was the disguise package or the zone matchup, they were able to eliminate the big play uh, of the downfield passing and play-action game of the Packers at that time. So that was a really big key. And they took advantage of opportunities that Aaron gave them. You know, had a pick six for a touchdown. Again, you mentioned another interception. 
that they caught the ball and it was a turnover. It wasn't a pass breakup. Some of the similar things will have to go into this game when Mr. Rogers gives you an opportunity to make a play against him. You have to do it, whether it's keeping him in the pocket and not allowing him to extend plays with his legs and arms. And if he throws up competitive balls, you as a defender, you got to come up with the football and make it a turnover. And as I will always say, and this is no secret, uh, Green Bay's running game led by Mr. Jones, they have to take that away to have some success. Yeah, and there's so many different things there to unpack. I agree. The great Derek Brooks is with me on ESPN Radio. Uh, first off, they intercept Rodgers twice in a five-minute span. That's two of only five interceptions Rodgers has thrown in 18 games this year. So it's incredible what they were able to do to him there. And then, yes, the turnover battle has been everything. Brady in his career 18-0 and 0 in the postseason when his team wins the turnover battle. So that does feel like everything. Let me ask you this. Rodgers is so good, and, and this is such an incredible challenge for the Tampa Bay defense. You played on one of the great defenses of all time. Which quarterback gave you the hardest time? Oh, oh man, tough question there, tough question. I would say from a defensive uh, you know, standpoint and playing in, in the NFC in our early years, far, you know, man, he was tough. We played in the same division. You know, at that time, and Green Bay was a team that we were definitely trying uh, to catch. So Favre in our early years gave us some problems. Uh, it was always fun, you know, to play against the Rams offense uh, led by Kurt Warner mm-hmm. and, and Marshall Falk and, you know, their uh, assets in terms of receiving core. It was always a good matchup to play them because that matched well, you know, with our athleticism uh, on defense. Uh, I would say, you know, Philadelphia and Donovan McNabb was, was tough against us because they knocked us out of the playoffs, you know, <laughs> three years, you know, three years. So it, it was tough to, uh, you know, get over that Philly hump. And once we did, uh, we obviously, you know, won a Super Bowl. But, you know, at that time, you know, the great quarterbacks during my era, Tom played Peyton. We didn't get a chance to play those guys because so they were in the in the AFC, but, I always say, you know, in terms of a quarterback, you know, I would start with Brett because we were in the same division. It was always fun to, you know, play against uh, Kurt and Marshall in that Rams offense. It's the great Derek Brooks with me. And, and one final question for you, and I so appreciate the time. I just need to understand how you put up with it. You, you it is my belief, play golf with Booger McFarland practically every day. <laughs> and as one who has played yeah. a lot of golf with Booger, I, I just wonder how you manage that. You know how I manage it, Greeny, is I, I continue to be a few shots better than him mm-hmm. every round. Uh, you know Booger plays speed golf. You, mm-hmm. know? <laughs> you can't let his pace, you know, get, get in front of you, but... Uh, I try to limit my conversations uh, with him on the golf course. He definitely will try to talk you out of out of your game. If someone's listening to Booger's conversation, they would think he's a two handicap, <laughs> knowing that he's a, a thirty handicap. Mm-hmm. But he would definitely talk his game up. But uh, we play we play so much golf, I become you know immune to the verbal warfare that he gives on the golf course. The next, uh, the next time you want to give him the business, Derek, the next time I'm going to give him the business, just ask him what happened to him on the 15th green at Bayonne the day he and I played together. And I will tell you <laughs> that what happened was he putted a ball off the green, down a hill, 70 yards off the green. He actually putted the ball 70 <laughs> yards away from the green. Tell me what he ended up with, a 12? 
Yeah. He, he putted it, and as soon as he hit it, the caddy and I both said, uh-oh. And he said, what do you mean, uh-oh? And I said, well, wait till you see what's about to happen. And the next thing you knew, he had a different club in his hands, and he was 70 yards away. I couldn't even see him anymore. He was so far away. Anyway, uh, I have to run. Derek Brooks, it is a pleasure. Thank you. Enjoy the weekend. Good luck to your team this weekend, and I respect you keeping it close to the vest. I like it. All right. Thank you very much, Greedy. Take care, man, and much success to not only your TV show, but your radio show as well. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it. We'll see you again soon. Maybe we'll see you as the Buccaneers are on their way to the Super Bowl. That's Derek Brooks, who is a great guy, and Burger McFarland, who is the best guy in the world and not nearly as good a golfer as he thinks he is. Greeny giving you the breakdown right there. Always love his hot takes and always love to hear what he has to say. Great interviews, too, as you just heard. Speaking of always being great and great interviewers, Hawk and Crowder talking NFL football with John McClain. Next, here on 560 The Joe, Radio Rewind. 560 The Joe Radio Rewind, running back some of the best you've heard here on 560 over the past 24 hours. I am a Dan Day, and I'm usually hanging all day from 2 to 6 at least with my dude dudes, Hawk, Crowder, and Solana. Sometimes I have to pinch it here at the radio station, but when I can, I am there with them. Then from 6 to 7, I'm right here for Joe Radio Rewind, which we're listening to right now. But right now, let's go relive some of the glory recently. Hawk and Crowder talking about the Dolphins, Deshaun Watson, playoff football with John McClain. You know, Deshaun Watson, according to Vegas, and I think we would all agree with this, if he's traded, the favorite to end up with Deshaun Watson is the Dolphins. Yeah. They're 4-1. to one. Jets are 9-2. to two. Carolina Panthers, 7-1. to one. Falcons, Colts, and Saints are 8-1. to one. You know, and, and so, again... He's got the no trade clause, so he could he can determine exactly where he goes if he goes anywhere. So, mm-hmm. be interesting to uh, see what happens. But that's why I wanted to talk to John McClain here because this dude knows more about the situation than anyone that we've talked to. I would imagine, right? He's yes, yeah, he's close to it. As I mentioned, John McClain he covers the NFL for the Houston Chronicle for many years, and we had talked about this Crowder a couple weeks ago. He tweeted something along the lines that. He's got a better chance of being head coach of the Texans than the Texans have of trading Deshaun Watson. When John McClain says that, I pretty much take it as the gospel because he's around there. But now I wonder if he thinks, <laughs> if he, I wonder if, well, I'll bring him on here. Do you agree with your tweet? Has your opinion changed at all, John? Absolutely not. I just recorded a podcast uh, for uh, the Houston Chronicle Sports website, Texas Sports Nation, why he's not getting traded. He was never getting traded. He hasn't asked to be traded. And Nick Casario, who comes from the Patriots, knows how important it is to have a great quarterback to achieve your goals. And I'm writing a column tomorrow pointing out, no, he will not be traded. But if he were traded, He'd have a long way to go in his career to to follow in the footsteps of a lot of Houston pro athletes who were traded, who went on to Halls of Fame, like Joe Morgan for the Astros, Elvin Hayes, Moses Malone from uh, the Rockets. Astros have had many besides Joe Morgan and the, and the Oilers. Kenny Houston, Steve Largent, Warren Moon, those guys are all in the Hall of Fame. So, if Watson were to be traded, which he won't, he'd have a long way to go to be in that pantheon of the greatest Houston athletes who were traded to other teams and went on to win championships, 
or get in the Hall of Fame or both. And, but, John, with this story now, like, what, why is he – because he did – he tweeted he was on a 2 and now he's on a 10. He's, you know, tweeting, you know, music lyrics, but he's upset. And, obviously, he wants everybody to know he's upset. Did, did Houston – did they do something wrong? Are they a well-run organization, or does Deshaun have some credence to his, to his emotions? Well, I just had no complaints about the organization, even when they were – four and 12 we talked to him multiple times a week and in his last zoom call with us actually before the season ended he said that he had had lunch with cal mcnair the owner to pick his brain about what kind of head coach he was looking for offense defense mcnair said we got our a general manager and then he's going to lead that search but we're planning to talk to offense defense current former head coaches anything we can do current coordinators former head coaches and so Watson told us they had stayed in touch about it, and he had been told by McNair they would keep him up to date. And then when McNair interviewed five candidates for the GM job, and they tried to hire Nick Casario two times and been rebuffed both times by the uh, Patriots to not interview him, this time because of the new rule that allows you to leave for promotion, they were able to get him. And here comes Casario and Watson. The last thing he told us, I just want to hold up a Lombardi trophy. Casario's held up six. He's got six rings, six trophies. And if he hasn't already spoken to Watson, because he's been 24-7 working on the head coaching search, I'm sure he's going to say to Sean, you want to hold up a Lombardi trophy? I know what it takes to get one. It starts with a great quarterback. You're our quarterback. Let's start working on this together. And if he wants to know about Casario, you should check with Tom Brady when his season is over. And people, it's funny, in New England, and you guys know a lot about the Patriots because you go against them all the time. He is very well respected, respected around the league. But here, people don't want him because they're tired of people coming from New England. They don't like their executive vice president of football ops, Jack Easterby, who came from New England. And, of course, there's Bill O'Brien started all this from New England. So people here are against anything coming from New England. So everybody said that Watson was angry because he wasn't informed about the Casario hire, that he had to get it on social media. He never mentioned anything about the GM, always the coach. And they told us in their Casario news conference, we'll keep him up to date on the coach. And he and the owner said it and the general manager said it. Then Adam Schefter had a thing Sunday. Watson won't return her calls. So how do you keep a guy up to date if he's not returning your calls? Now, I don't know if that's true. Cal McNair sent him a text. Uh, I don't know if Watson got back to him. He left him a call. Watson was in Cabo celebrating his girlfriend's birthday. So Watson is, other than three cryptic lines out of rap songs, which took me a long time to figure out exactly <laughs> what he was doing. I got to tell you the truth. We had to get our younger guys to disseminate that. And there's so much analysis of these lines out of songs. So until Deshaun tells us something definitive, it's all going to be a lot of conjecture. But I'll say this, national media, media around the country, everybody's got it gone here. I say there's no ways being traded and you guys are the 26th talk show I've done <laughs> the last two weeks trying to say, okay, our team needs a quarterback. 
What can we do to get Deshaun Watson? Well, we, uh, John McClain is with us. He writes for the Houston Chronicle. We, from the outside and looking at national media, feel like it's a really fractured relationship between Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans because we're just getting the snippets now that he's very unhappy. We see the cryptic tweets as well. You're kind of saying it's not as fractured as we're making it out to be, correct? Right, because everything nationally comes from quote-unquote unnamed sources close to Watson. And uh, here, at some point, they're going to get together. You know, they're interviewing coaches. They've, I think the top three candidates, Eric Bieniemy, Leslie Frazier from Buffalo, and Matt Eberflus from Indianapolis. And Watson also wants his offensive coordinator and play caller, Tim Kelly, kept. He's been here since Bill O'Brien came here in 14. Watson had a great season, had personal best in every stat. And that was without DeAndre Hopkins. That was out without his best receiver, Will Fuller, for the last five games. And no matter who they put out there and they had no running game, he was tremendous. And they lost eight one-score games, and some of them were really tough. And so he's frustrated. They're all frustrated at what's been going on. He's just the only one who's had people going to the national media talking about the disconnect, how unhappy he is because he wasn't kept up to date on the search for a GM and, and the head coach, of course, is ongoing. And, and John, I think um, that one of them rap lyrics, he was on a two and now he's on a 10. That was a future song. But he was on a two. You bring up DeAndre Hopkins for them getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins. I haven't, we haven't talked to you. I haven't heard you, you know, talk about this topic. Why the hell would they get rid of the, in my mind, I think he's a top three receiver in the league. He might be number one. Why'd they get rid of DeAndre? Well, first of all, the two was reported in national media about Hopkins. Well, he was a lot higher than a two when Hopkins was traded. The two comes from not counting unnamed leaked stuff to the national media. The two came from where he is uh, right now. And then he went up to a 10 after I did a story that Jack Easterby, the VP of communications would I mean, VP of football ops was not going to be fired and was not going to resign, which was out in the national media last week that he was going to be out. And I interviewed the owner and he said no. So he put that tweet out immediately. As far as Hopkins, that was between Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins. We knew it was coming. Hopkins had three years left on his contract, wanted a 20 million a year raise, and they weren't going to do it. They'd never only done one when there was three years left and it, cost him a couple of players and then came in and wanted their deals redone. And O'Brien made that trade. Everybody here, Watson, all the players, everybody hated it. They blasted him over it. And without him, Watson had his greatest season. So uh, that'll go down as one of the worst trades in franchise history because of Hopkins' stature and what he'd done for the franchise and mainly the fact that he was so durable. He didn't practice, but he always played. And I would see people in Arizona on pins and needles. He wasn't practicing. Would he play? And I'd tweet, he always plays, and he always did. You have made it sound fairly emphatic that Deshaun Watson is not going to be traded by the Houston Texans, but we are going to continue to do our show based on all the conjecture that he might be traded because it's more fun. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. <laughs> like when I, I'm, on, I'm on the flagship here six days a week, and when I say that, they're like, yeah, but, yeah, but. Everything's a, yeah, but. And uh, maybe I'm going to get – maybe I'll get hired 
as the head coach, but I'm still <laughs> waiting for that first interview. I understand what you're saying, and I, I understand, but by the next segment, we will be talking about potential trade scenarios with the Texans <laughs> for Deshaun Watson. I don't blame so. it. It's the same way as our website. Every time we put something up, it gets clicks right crazy, like crazy, and that's why I'm writing about it as we speak. I'm in fact for the uh, headline Solana when you uh, do a blog post on our interview with John McClain I want you to write uh, John McClain Houston Chronicle non-committal as to whether the Texans <laughs> might trade Sean Watson I can't you lose can this content John I can't lose this content there's a chance that I could be named the head coach which means Watson would be traded <laughs> there you go John thank you for making time for us man we My appreciate pleasure, it guys thank you very much for having me there you go We'll have him back on when uh, Deshaun Watson gets traded to the Dolphins. All the possible scenarios in the next segment. He's not running me out of my excitement, Hawk. He's me, not neither, me, me neither, man. Me neither, Jack. <laughs> I'm gonna give was it the Neuralizer from uh, Men in Black? Let's all let's all pretend we didn't hear that. That's insight like no other. Maybe you should hear it. Maybe you shouldn't. Hawk and Crowder, they make things more fun and not just talking about sports life in general the way we are on the radio is real life that's how we are off the radio and if you meet up with us anywhere and one day hopefully things will be safe to do so you will find that out those are my dude dudes right there so i'm going home i am going to not sleep again for about the fourth night in a row because i've been really busy and i gotta watch this pelicans jazz game tonight you know i'm a new orleanian so i'm watching my pelicans it's a 10 o'clock tip off and my alarm's set for 4 35 in the morning because i gotta help out here at the radio station early but no worries i'll be around delirious as i'll get up and full of caffeine tomorrow night at six o'clock for another edition of 560 the joe radio rewind later slug we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.